This podcast may contain coarse language and dark humour and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Come on, boy. Get up. You're going to die in bed. That's what my papa used to yell at me when I tried sleeping past 7am when I stayed with him as a kid. I didn't appreciate it then, but he's kind of got a point. I probably am going to die in bed. Shit. I'm going to die full stop. We all are. So what are you waiting for? Get up, you dickhead. You're gonna die in bed. morning wakey wakey welcome to episode six of you're going to die in bed a mildly morbid monday morning motivational podcast for creatives who suffer with their mental health my name's al and i've struggled with symptoms of depression and anxiety disorder since before i was a teenager as a creative i've got some pretty big ambitions and goals but i've constantly been at war with the negativity in my head i find i'm often at my lowest first thing in the morning while the failures of yesterday are fresh in my mind and the impending doom of the dawning day is upon me. But I don't have time for that. I've got shit to do. I'm going to die in bed after all. So I apologize to those of you who have been listening for not releasing an episode last week. My demons got the better of me and it hasn't been the best week for my mental health. So essentially, I'm the guy making a motivational podcast who wasn't motivated to make that podcast. Irony! Anyway... Here's how it is going to go. After the intro, I'm going to do my Monday morning monologue in which today I'm talking about a concept called crucializing. After that, I'll jump on Reddit to share some uplifting headlines. And to finish off, I talk to an old friend and professional funny guy, Ray O'Leary, about what's getting him out of bed. But first, here's an ad. Ah, welcome to Tabitha's tarot cards and toothbrushes. I'm interested in the future of your teeth. Come on in for a free reading. Ooh, honey, I'm sensing some gum disease. Ooh, it's the jack of spades. Shit, son, that means the root canal for sure. So, don't wait to get a bad surprise at the dentist. Come on down to Tabitha's tarot and toothbrushes where we tell you the future of your teeth and sell toothbrushes. Tabitha's tarot and toothbrushes saving you from gingivitis. Are you tired of effective marketing and advertising strategies? Well, look no further. Al's fake ads have got you covered. Listen to by tens of people every month. Running an ad with Owls Fake Ads, you're guaranteed to make less of an impact than any other form of advertising. Great options with music and song and merriment uh, and, and pr- production values and, and standards. Owls Fake Ads, look no further. Thank you. Fucking hell, piece of shit. Oh, and and we're still recording. Thank thank you. Good goodbye.
I sat in a cafe this morning putting off writing this episode by watching a TED talk on procrastination. Classic. Irony. A new friend walked in and asked me what I was doing. I told her I was procrastinating. She told me she had a friend that had started a thesis on procrastination and had moved to Southeast Asia for a year to write it. She visited her friend during this period and spent some time with her. Apparently, things were going pretty slow, as, ironically, she had been putting it off. Just as I was anticipating some uplifting insight, my friend made a point of telling me that this wasn't a happy story. Three weeks after visiting her friend, she, the friend that is, was cycling down a public road with headphones on when she was hit and killed by a motorcyclist. Damn. It's a tragic and sad story, but one that almost reads like an old parable. I could elaborate on this, but you all get the point. Stop putting shit off. Do the shit you care about. You're gonna die. Anyway, for today's monologue, I want to talk about something called crucializing. In an early episode, I talked about a short course I did on mental health a few years back called Soul Tour. There were a bunch of really useful things I got out of it, and I'm sure I'll continue referring to it in future episodes. The component from it I want to talk about today is what they call King Lies. King Lies are deep-set beliefs you have about yourself or your life that are, as the name suggests, lies. Common King Lies include, I am what other people think of me, or I am my intelligence, or I am my appearance. Basically, massive generalizations that we use as benchmarks for determining our self-worth. But they're not all about our value. One that I really resonated with, and I'm sure many other people will too, especially creatives, was, my decisions are crucial. Basically, I've spent my whole life agonizing about making the right or best decision, believing that one unfortunate choice could send my whole existence down the toilet, or something like that. To be honest, I'm not really sure what I was afraid of. I knew I just didn't want to do something irreversible. And I'm not just talking about the big life decisions, like whether to go to university or not, what to study, who to date, etc. I'm talking on the micro level, day-to-day stuff, like agonizing over which colored pen to use when taking notes, what brand of baked beans to buy, or how to finish this example. And in the usual ironic way that human psychology enables, so much attention focused on making perfect decisions resulted in highly imperfect outcomes. It meant I'd put off making decisions at all, resulting in missing deadlines, not completing tasks that I said I would, and ultimately not achieving the things that I wanted to. A quote often attributed to an American president called Theodore Roosevelt goes like this, In any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing, the next best thing you can do is the wrong thing, and the worst thing you can do is nothing. This is something I try and remind myself of constantly, as at heart, I'm really a perfectionist. Now that might surprise a lot of people who know me, as I probably come across as a guy who's not too fussed about the details and can settle with things being good enough. But what accompanies my perfectionism is an all-or-nothing mentality. If something can't be perfect, why even bother? This is something I can recognize in my childhood when being very particular about my things. If there were minor defects in toys, they became worthless to me. If something wasn't just so, what was the point? And it plagues me still, and it's not limited to objects or art. It spills over into routines and lifestyle. I've never been someone to get into an exercise routine for longer than a couple of weeks. 
usually what happens is I miss a session, I feel shit about myself, and then I figure I've fucked it up now, so there's no point going on. I'm either going to live a life of perfect routine or do nothing at all. Another recent example of this mentally playing out is my song a week goal that I've talked about in earlier episodes um, that I set at the start of the year. Well, if anyone has paid attention to that, the last song I put out was two months ago. But to me, once I'd missed a couple of weeks, it was ruined. My perfect year running from January the 1st to December the 31st of weekly output had been ruined beyond repair. So I felt shit. I lost motivation. I started telling myself I never stick to my goals anyway, so why does it matter? It's a pretty negative spiral. Now I'm sharing this while still intending to climb back up on that horse, but severely struggling. It's really hard to get that ball rolling again, but I've got to. I've got to because I'm going to die one day, and I don't want my legacy to be that guy who was going to write and release music one day. I want it to be the guy who did. Anyway, I feel as if my train of thought has derailed a bit on this one. But the ideas of crucializing, perfectionism, and an all-or-nothing mentality are intertwined for me. I want to make perfect choices, so I believe my decisions are crucial. Anything less than a perfect decision or outcome feels insufficient, so I give up. It's all or nothing. And historically, I've gone with nothing, because we can never have it all. But I'm learning to rewire my brain and teach it to strive for something. Something, after all, is better than nothing, right? When we believe our decisions are crucial, we often fall into the old paralysis of analysis, a state in which we analyze and crucialize over our options, leaving us inert and impotent. So what's the alternative? Well, we realize that our choices probably don't matter a whole lot. Think about it. Are the things you're worried about today going to matter in 10 years? Probably not. Even bigger things that feel really important and crucial can often not have the effect that we imagine. I believe that there are very few decisions in life that are irreversible and almost no situation is irredeemable. So stop worrying about what to do and just do something. Something is better than nothing. Welcome to Uplifting News. You heard it, it's Uplifting News. This is the part of the show where I go to reddit.com slash r slash uplifting news to find some of the more positive stories circulating the world's media. I have been alternating between writing my own little summary of an article um, focusing on one story and just reading off a list of headlines. Um, And today I'm just going to go with some headlines. So up top, we've got an Amazon tribe wins legal battle against oil companies preventing drilling in the Amazon rainforest. That's pretty cool. Um, An Ohio high school student loses 115 pounds by walking to school each day. And there's a great photo of this guy here. Uh, looks like two different people. It's very positive. Uh, an outdoor company, Burton, announced that it changed all female athletic contracts to include language that protects women during and after pregnancy. Well, that is a win. Uh, here's an interesting one. Scientists have found super corals in Hawaii, where a reef is thriving despite development dredging, sewage, and high temperatures. In the lab, the corals also withstood simulated climate change, including rising acidity acidity and temperatures. The find could offer hope for the future of corals. And one lucky last one, parents are now spending twice as much time with their kids uh, compared to 50 years ago, uh, as study shows. So that's Great. Well done, parents. You're doing a good job. Uplifting news. 
Your parents are getting older, they're slowing down, but they did well out of the affordable housing market of the 20th century, so they keep themselves comfortable. You know one day you'll lose them, one day soon maybe, but you could really use your inheritance now. After all, housing prices aren't what they used to be, and between your mortgage and your student loan, you're pretty fucked. That's where the farm can help. The Farm Retirement Village is New Zealand's leading early retirement village. With some of the worst state-funded pre-retirement care Aotearoa has to offer, the farm has the highest premature mortality rates per capita in the world. Has your dad got bad knees? No worries. We'll remove the problem entirely by amputating him from the waist down. His mum's hearing not so good? No worries. That'll be the last of her concerns after she's had our mandatory induction lobotomy. Fully unqualified and unsanitary, you can be sure that your parents will have died from a bacterial infection years before they can blow your birthright on a Caribbean cruise. So what are you waiting for? Send your parents to the farm today and pay off the rest of your mortgage tomorrow. The farm, helping you help yourself to your parents' wealth. Alright, today on the show I've got comedian Ray O'Leary, who um, I actually have known uh, pre his funny days, back when he was just a regular boring civilian um, <laughs> at university. Um, Ray, what's getting you out of bed? Well, that's, that's such a deep question. I've like, I've realised now I don't have a proper morning morning routine, and now like I'm wondering like, why do I get out of bed? Like, What's the point? Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty dark start, and I think you've thrown me into an existential crisis. Um, but I guess, I mean, what I like doing is doing stand-up comedy. So there's a lot of, like, having to get up, and I try and discipline myself and try, like, write jokes. I'm normally, like, pretty lazy and procrastinate all the time, though. So, like, like I, my morning's normally wasted. Like, I wake up, you know, go on social media stuff, and that's, that's, that, that morning's a write-off, you know, by the time I've had lunch. But, you know, and I try to write, like, for an hour a day because I, I guess – you know, what gets me out of bed ultimately is trying to do stand-up comedy and get paid, you know, to only work 15 minutes a night. I think that's the that's the dream, to only have to work a little tiny amount. Uh, that's, a, that's a solid goal. Yeah. it's. I've always, like, hated working. I've, I hate, like, I used to have an office job, and I... It's not that I ever hated, the like, the work itself, like, what I was doing, but I hated the concept, I think, of having to work, like, having to wake up in the morning at a time when I didn't feel like getting up and going there and spending all that time there. Um, and so, yeah, I really like um, comedy because I guess it's all completely, like, self-directed and when I do something, it's because I feel like doing it. And so that's, um, it's, yeah, way better. That's awesome. Um, what what was your journey to getting to a position where you, you have that freedom, like... Um did you just wake up one day and start telling jokes and you got paid that night or what um, happened? That's, um, so, yeah, I had an office job. Like, for a long time, I wanted to do stand-up comedy. Like, I even, like, for a brief period when I was in high school, I wanted to do it. Um, but then, so I was had this office job and I, I always thought to, like, I always would, like, keep putting off. Like, for a year, I would think of funny, what I thought were funny things. I think if I look back now, I think most of these are terrible. But I had, like, this notebook of things I thought were funny and I wrote them all down. Um, and I, and that, that went for like a year and I had a, this office job and I thought to myself, oh, I'll do comedy, but only once things at work have like quieted down and stuff. And then at some point I realized, oh, work is always going to be busy. It's never going to be quiet. I might as well just do it. And so then I went and did an open, I was in Wellington where we met, um, at uni and, um, I just went and I quietly did it. I didn't tell anyone. 
I started going to open mics in Wellington and started, you know, um, do open, you do open mics and. Was that like Raw Meat Mondays? Yeah, Raw Meat. That's the very awesome. one. Raw Meat Monday at the Those French are bar. terrible. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're not great. Um, well, I mean, they're a mixed bag. You know, sometimes you get brilliant. Sometimes you get um, terrible stuff. It's, the, it's the, um, the fun of an open of an open mic is that, like, yeah, normally the host is good and, you know, is someone a professional. And then the um, newbies, um, you know, you're, you're taking a gamble, which is always fun. Um, and always, it's more interesting, at least for me, because sometimes, you know, I've seen the, prof- you know, the people who are good at comedy, I've seen them tell their jokes before, but whereas new people, I'm always like, oh, what are they going to do? Um, but yeah, I did Raw Meat Monday at Fringe, um, great, bar, great bar, great venue, and I just kept doing it, and then I got booked to do, people noticed me, and I started doing more gigs, and then you start getting asked to do more gigs and more gigs, and at the time, there was a comedy club in Wellington, but um, it doesn't exist anymore, and I was doing gigs there, and then I eventually, I applied for the billy t and i got nominated for the billy t um and and then i and then i was like oh maybe i'm good at this and um, i got and i moved to auckland and i i yeah i just started getting paid and you know i started people asked me to write for tv because they noticed i was good and yeah i guess it's just i guess that's the way it happens you just you um i guess a bit of hustling but also a lot of just um you doing it and people just noticing oh this person's good Mm. Yeah. So, so just be good. Yeah, just be good. Just be talented. <laughs> just be naturally. Ta- yeah, I mean, I mean, like every job, I think is a mixture of that of like being actually good at the job, and then also there's like a bit of like having to like I don't know, maybe grease the wheel, you know, like try network and all that. But I've never been. I don't think I'm good at networking. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm. Um, but yeah, I think in the long run, talent wins out, and you know, it is somewhat a meritocracy, and you can, um, if you're good, you can rise. Um, yeah. Sure. Do you think that also ties into the fact that things that you um, are good at or you've often become good at things because you naturally enjoy them? And so while it is easy to sit here and just be like, well, you're talented, so you know, it just came to you. But the fact is, I, I guess you pursuing comedy and being a comedian is in essence you sort of being the purest form of yourself and doing what you want to be doing, right? Yeah, no, that's true. I feel like I should... I mean, I, I, I now I'm worried. I said I was talented. I'm worried I'm coming across. No, 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 that was me. <laughs> oh, no, <yeah>. no. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Don't worry. You, you've got a safe, self-effacing sort of your, your Kiwi tall poppy syndrome Thank intact. You. Thank you. Don't Thank you. worry. I need to keep that. Yeah, no. And also, I also feel like I'm. I've only like just started, really, and so like I feel like we've got so much to learn still. Um, but um, sorry, sorry, sorry. What was the question again? Sorry. Ah, uh, I guess I, I was just saying, is it? Yeah, it's sort of perhaps the path. Oh, there's less you, resistance to the path because it's you, you enjoy just, it. Yeah, because essentially you enjoy it because it comes naturally to you. Like you're not trying to be anyone or anything that you're not. Yeah, no, yeah, that's um, that's true. Um, so I think, like, I think growing up, I think I was always like, I don't think I'd ever describe myself as a class clown because I don't think I would do like jokes. I don't think I did it in like an attention-seeking way. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't think. I don't think I was like I don't know someone who'd stand in front of the class and like pull his pants down or something. That's what that's that's what I imagined the class clown is like a Bart Simpson type, you know, skateboarding around and being like yeah. Primary school I certainly wasn't, but I think I was funny, and I think there's like my best way of connecting with people is like you know making them laugh and getting the laugh, getting a laugh from someone is like a very satisfying experience. I remember um, Alan DeGeneres talking about like it's like having a monkey on your back, you know, when you can do it. Um, and it, yeah, it's very much like that. Yeah. So, um, and if you, yeah, so if you think you're good at it or if it's something you enjoy, you, you, yeah, you naturally want to pursue it. Cause I guess it's, um, 
it's kind of a path of least resistance and also you enjoy being good at the things you do and um, you enjoy um, doing things you're talented at and then but then and you know, I guess in a sense it's like so it's interesting to say it's the purest form of you because um, I, I mean I guess in a sense that's true like um, I guess this is what I like to do so it's like I guess me being myself but then also there's like lots of discussion and comedy at least about like your on stage persona and like the kind of character you are on stage and so I'm like a very um I'm I mean I'm still like I'm not like you know um being particularly emotional right you know I'm not like screaming angry but I'm very monotonous on stage I'm very unemotional like I'm very you know everyone plays like a heightened version of themselves on stage so I'm very deadpan I never move um I'm talk well i mean I'm, I'm i'm monotonous all the time i think but, I, but I, i'm even more monotonous then i try not to smile you know yeah um so i think i mean i guess it is like the i guess it's like a real me in the sense that i'm doing what i want to do but there's also a sense in which you're often like putting on a persona in a way that's kind of like you but also kind of not like i um i did a gig in december and i remember coming off stage and someone asked me i think they asked me something like are you really like that I think was the question, and some I've, someone's asked me, "Am I autistic?" Um, I've had um, wow. Are, they, are these sort of like alcohol fueled questions after a gig, or is this just like what people ask people the, nowadays? The guy who asked me, they I think they both seem pretty sober to me. The guy who asked me, "Am I autistic?" He definitely seemed sober. He seemed just to be calling it how he how he saw it. <laughs> he just um, yeah no yeah um, and yeah no um, so I think. Yeah, I think you do, yeah. I don't think there are many people who are, like, 100% the opposite of what they're like on stage. Um, I don't I don't think I know many personally. There's there's always, like, exaggerations and stuff, and I think you have to be slightly different when you're performing because it's, it's a contrived experience, I guess, and you're not, it's not like a normal social interaction to stand on stage with a microphone and talk at people. Um, but, yeah, you are, yeah, you're pretty similar to yourself, and I, and I guess I'm being my myself by doing comedy it's a it's an interesting way of thinking about being like your mm. true self it makes me think of yeah well i i guess my my thought um was just around the the pursuit of it being your true self um mm. separate from the on the stage. character yeah. or caricature of yourself that you're on stage but i guess there's some overlap there yeah no yeah it reminds me when i studied at uni there was um topics questions about free will and um often yeah there were the theories that i liked were always about like um you were free when you were expressing your proper values, you know, when you're acting in accordance with your own values. So I guess, I mean, I never, I haven't thought about it in applying to comedy, but I guess in a sense, you know, I'm being free or being myself when I try to yeah, pursue that, pursue something I like, um, which, yeah, which is something I had um, thought about that way. Well, that's what we're here to do, just to facilitate <laughs> some um, self-discovery yeah. um, while we tell you that you're going to die in bed. Yeah. Um, yeah, going back to, I mean... It being natural to you, I think, from early interactions um, with you, I remember sitting around the the dining table at um, Helen Larry Hall in Wellington, and sometimes just the conversation with you felt kind of like a stand-up set, like you're just riffing, and in like the very best way. Um, So, yeah, I'm super happy that you you've made a career out of it. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. Um, So you've done some other cool stuff. You got on. Got on the TV. Yeah, yeah, that's um very cool. I actually watched my episode of Seven Days for the first time because I, I'm in I'm in Wanganui right now, which is where my family's from. And, yeah. Um, 
I hadn't watched it, and my dad's side of the family put it on last night. So I watched uh, myself on Seven Days for the first time, and so it was pretty. It was pretty good. I was um I was happy with uh with it, and um they've been. I think I'm going to be back on later in the year, so that's good. And um, I've been on. I was on the last season of Jono and Ben. They um got me in to do some writing and some acting, which is which is good. And not acting is not something I've done before, and I don't think I'm. I don't think, yeah. I mean, I personally, I'm surprised they always ask me back to act some more. I always think like, well, I've done that and I've fucked that up, so they'll never have me back again. And then they ask me a couple of weeks later, like, hey, we need you to do this. Um, but my flatmate thinks I'm a bad actor in the same way Seinfeld was a bad actor, and that he sure Seinfeld. Like, I haven't watched. I, I need to go back and watch Seinfeld to look out for it. But um, he was like, you know, Seinfeld can only play himself. Like, if, you know, you try to get Seinfeld in a dramatic role. Or, you know, Seinfeld couldn't be Private Ryan or The Shawshank Redemption or anything. Um, but, um, yeah, I've been doing TV work. And it's um, been very good. Yeah, that's where um, most, of the, most of the money is, is um, in doing TV rather than just doing stand-up gigs and pubs and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, well, um, thanks heaps for coming in to talk to me today. I'm sure people listening to this would have enjoyed it as has have i and oh. um yeah congrats it's always the the dream i think as aspiring creatives you're just like man i just want to want to get paid for what i do and <laughs> that be enough yeah. um so that's awesome and look forward to watching your funny future unfold oh, awesome thank you very much thanks for having me yeah cheers have a great day Ciao. Alright, so that's it. As per usual, thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, uh, please rate and review on iTunes or um, whatever you're listening to this on. Um, and tell me, it's, it's always good to hear uh, that people are enjoying it. It helps keep me motivated. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Have a great week. Do some shit. You're going to die. Yo! Crazy. And if you were closer, we'd make this bed like a toaster, we'd heat it up.